From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for sharing the podcast and uh, we really appreciate your prayers and support. Um, before we introduce today's guest, I am going to share some headlines. By the way, good morning, Mayor. Good morning. Are you recuperating from the Prophecy Conference over the uh, weekend? Uh, it's a process. <laughs> it's yeah. a process. Well, how many is that? Is this 19 for you? Prophecy conferences that you've uh, 26 helped? Prophecy Conferences and 52 oh conferences altogether with wow. all the ones we've had in the past. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. All right. So it was great to be a part of that. And what a blessed weekend it was. So here are some headlines. And guys, you know exactly where we're going to go today. There's a news story about the FDA, a judge in Texas, and abortion pills. In 2019, here's a headline. Now we're talking about Emperor Newsom in California. Governor Newsom signs law forcing colleges to offer students abortion pills. Next headline, Princeton students. Now this is recent. Princeton students host a musical entitled, To All the Babies I've Killed Before. You can find this, so there's pride. They're proud of getting abortions on college campuses. That's over at The College Fix. Next, doctor questions misleading info about medical abortion pills pushed on Dartmouth campus. And one of the lies, we'll get to that, abortion pills are safer than taking Tylenol, a Plan C organization stated. We'll talk about that with our expert guest coming up. Also, New York University, NYU, to provide abortion coverage off campus in student health plans. All right, that's a new one. Planned Parenthood steps deeply into transgender hormones, including for minors. Why would they want to do that? I thought they were just about women's health and abortion. And finally, the headline over at Harbinger's Daily from Can Ham, Depravity of Man on Display. The U.N., United Nations, seeks to decriminalize child sex, sex work, and abortion. Harbinger's Daily. Well, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Heavy topic today in the first half hour. Dr. Ingrid Skop is our guest. She's the Vice President and Director of Medical Affairs for the Charlotte Lozier Institute, leveraging more than 25 years' experience as a practicing obstetrician and gynecologist to support research and policies that respect the dignity of every human life. Dr. Skop received her Bachelor of Science in Physiology from Oklahoma State University, her medical doctorate from Washington University School of Medicine. She is a fellow of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where she uses science, and we don't have to put science in air quotes here, she uses science and statistics to counter pro-abortion agendas, and is a lifetime member of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And prior to joining the Charlotte Lozier Institute, she served for 25 years in private practice in San Antonio, where she delivered more than 5,000 babies and personally cared for many women who had been harmed physically and emotionally from complications due to abortion. Dr. Ingrid Skop, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you. I am so glad to be with you guys today. Yeah, well, it's a blessing to have you on. We've uh, been reading a lot about your background, the work that you've been doing. Uh, we just want to say right off the top, thank you. 
um, because I know it, it's um, it's a hard field, uh, especially if you're, if you're trying to save babies. Um, so thank you for the work. So before we get into the Texas judge that ordered a suspension of the abortion pill and then what's happening now in the latest headlines, you're, you're going to speak in coming up soon. And where did I see that? Where is that at? It's at uh, NRB. Talk show host Eric Metaxas is going to chair a session and you're going to be talking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade at the federal level, a state by state, what's happening now. Uh, you're going to be speaking, Brad Matz, another one of our guests here on Stand Up for the Truth, Abby Johnson, and uh, you'll be speaking at NRB 2023. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm very excited to be there. Uh, some of these uh, people that are uh, on the panel with me are people that I've long respected and looked up to, and I have to confess I'm a big fan of Eric Metaxas. Yes. I can't wait to meet him. But, <laughs> I know. Uh, um, it is. It is just. It's been a. It's been a wonderful journey that God has really guided my steps to put me in a place where I can talk about my experience caring for women, mm. and just hopefully um, help the American public see that this issue has been whitewashed, that they've been lied to, yep. and that not only does it kill unborn children, but it harms women. And that's really the the, the point that I'm um, trying to make over and over. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we need more voices out there, and especially with experience like yours in the field. By the way, I, I've been following Metaxas. It's one of the few podcasts I, because of our time, just the time to listen and watch podcasts. But for years I've been following him, but he had me when he came out with Bonhoeffer. Oh, my goodness. And here's this, right. apl- this apro- applies to Christians in the pro-life movement. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. That's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So, Dr. Ingrid Skop, um, before we get into the Texas headline, uh, and then I'm, I'll toss it over to Mary Danielson, my co-host here. The dangers of the abortion pill. It's amazing that we are here talking about this. It's sad. And a lot of Americans are under the impression that this is a relatively new public debate. Share with us some of the background on how we got to be here talking now about a, this, a simple a woman not even having to see a doctor now. She can just get a pill even through the mail, and it can destroy the life of a, a preborn human being in her womb. Yeah, sure. You know, it, it is an issue that a lot of people just have not, it's not been on their radar screen. So just to get everybody up to speed, this is not the same as emergency contraception or Plan B. Sometimes I hear people are confused about the two. Um, plan B is, is an action taken after unprotected intercourse immediately within, within three days to try to prevent fertilization. So it's trying to prevent the human life from coming into existence um, by delaying ovulation, delaying the release of an egg. It doesn't work that well, but it's not, at that point, we're not ending a life that we need to know to exist. Okay. But abortion, on the other hand, knows that that human life is there, yep. and the intent is the death of that unborn human. Chemical abortion um, is provided with two medications. Um, Mifepristone um, was approved by the FDA in the year 2000. It is a, it's Fairly, it has been fairly tightly regulated, and this is part of the issue in this uh, lawsuit. Um, it blocks the hormone progesterone, so it cuts off the support for the unborn child, mm. causes him to die. Um, it's followed in um, about 24 hours by mesoprostol, which is a, a um, medication that induces labor. So it, the embryo dies, and then um, labor ensues, and the tissue is extruded, but it doesn't always work. 
And of course, you know, as you mentioned, the abortion industry steers women toward this. It tells them it's safer than Tylenol, which is very dishonest. Mm -hmm. Um, They're comparing Tylenol overdose deaths. So really, there's it's apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, uh, many, many women, and we can talk about the statistics, do not have a complete abortion. That tissue remains in their uterus and they continue to suffer until they um, have a surgical um, completion. And this is what you often have treated when women, young girls suffering from this, come in to your practice and say, I don't know what's going on, I'm bleeding. Tell us about, about that. You don't have to obviously get into the graphic details, but just the, the many sad cases of women who thought they were you know, f- free of this, quote, problem, that would be a, a pregnancy, and then they come into you and they, you've, you've got to kind of take care of some of the damage that was done. Right. So um, they're told that it'll be like a heavy period and they'll cramp. So they're expecting a period. Um, and they're told, of course, that it's 98, 99% effective. Well, that data um, goes to ending the human life, but it doesn't go to completing the abortion. And the abortion industry, when they publish studies, they tell us only about the complications they know about. Um, but it's important to recognize that we do not have a mandatory complication reporting system in the United States. So these women, my experience has been, when they suffer a complication, they know they've been lied to. They thought it was safer than Tylenol. So they don't, in many cases, go back to the abortionist. They go either to their private gynecologist or they go to an emergency room, often in distress with Mm. acute bleeding, um, uh, needing emergency services right away. Um, Women... um, uh, have surveys have shown that 40% of women describe the pain as severe. And again, not to be too graphic, but many of these women see their child in the toilet. Mm. So the, the emotional ramifications of that, we're not going to know for years. Mm-hmm. And also, my, you know, why do women not talk about it? They're ashamed. They, you know, women have told me, oh, I think this is probably what I deserve for making this decision. Oh, so they bear this trauma quietly and meanwhile tens of thousands of women are hurt this way every year Hmm. Uh, yeah well i have a question for you and i i just see some side headlines that go with this and i see the war that is on and i think this is something that just grieves my heart we're talking about women and teens and Mm, young women how are they emotionally equipped to handle any of this well they're not (laughs) they're not well they're absolutely not and there are so many other side issues here like senate democrats pressure pharmacies on abortion pill and there's just like i said this incredible war going on and i guess the question i have for you is uh part of this legislation and and the war going on in the courts um with this uh judge kasmerick uh in texas uh, here's a headline. It says here, how an old law found new life in lawsuits seeking to revoke approval of abortion pill. Uh, basically, in the Amarillo Courthouse recently, um, some of the pro-lifers, they call them anti-abortion, but it, it's pro-lifers. That's how I like to look <laughs> yep. at it. Um, there, there is a, something called the Comstock Act of 1873. And what that is, is it, it banned the mailing of anything related to contraception or abortion. Now, this would have to do with you know, telehealth conferences, and then sending these pills in the mail. Uh, the contraception clauses were removed in 1971, and that law was pretty much unenforced during the five-decade reign of mm. Roe v. Wade. And it had to do with a gentleman uh, in the 1800s who just saw all the 
all the vice that was going on around him, and he he convinced Congress to pass an anti-obscenity law called the Comstock Act. Well, I guess my question for you, Ingrid, is, you know, since June of 2022, uh, this has kind of come back into the foreground, and uh, pro-life groups are starting to work some angles with this to get it back in effect because it would shut down, further shut down the abortion industry because of mailing uh, utensils that are used in abortion or, or anything used. And I want to ask you, does this, uh, do you see this as having any legal legs? Is this something that might be helpful legislation um, that can be used to further push abortion off off of our off of the the menu here uh, in this late date? Well, it is a law that is still in effect, and I think we're all recognizing that we're living in an increasingly lawless society. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you know it's going to come down to an administration that is willing to enforce the law. But if I may um, discuss the AA, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine case and. Judge Kaczmarek, because it's yes. it's very interesting, but it's it's quite complicated. the The lawsuit alleges that the FDA broke its own rules and um, in order to approve um, mifepristone in two thousand, a very politicized process. And when you look carefully, you see that that is indeed the case. This happened under President Clinton. He actually reached out to the French manufacturer and said, "Please bring your drugs here." The drug in France is known as RU486, which mm-hmm. might be a familiar word. Yep. Um, the FDA appro- knew it was a dangerous drug, so it approved it under a special category, subpart H, accelerated approval regulations, which is reserved for drugs that are for life-threatening illnesses for which there is no other treatment available. Mm-hmm. Well, pregnancy, of course, is not, in almost every case, life-threatening, and um Surgical abortions in the 1990s were widely available. There were over a million to a million and a half every year. So it was totally inappropriate. You ask about young girls. The FDA is required to do pediatric testing if a drug is to be used in a pediatric population. Makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. children may um, respond differently. They never did those trust tests. There is no lower age limit on these pills. Wow. So a wow. 12-year-old victim of incest can be provided these pills by her abuser. Wow. I mean, talk about emotional, wow. yes. you know, health issues. Moving on, in 2016, under President Obama, the FDA loosened the restrictions, again, based on very poor quality studies, mm. um, very little data. Um, it was seven weeks gestation. Now they loosened it to 10. They said it no longer needed a physician to prescribe it, even though, of course, only a physician can do the surgery that is needed. About 5 to 8% of these women will require surgery mm. because their body can't completely get rid of the tissue. Um, it said, we no longer want to hear about any complications unless it kills the woman. Um, so that was bad enough. Wow. But then in 2021, under President Biden, the FDA, using the COVID pandemic as an excuse, removed the in-person supervision requirements. As you mentioned, they said they were doing it so it could be prescribed by telehealth. But the telehealth studies used all of the standard pre-abortion testing. So those studies required an ultrasound. And ultrasounds Mm -hmm. are very important because we need to find out for sure the gestational age. If a woman is 14 weeks and thinks she's 10, she's much more likely, in fact, 38% likely, to need surgery. Hmm. So you, you want to make sure you keep it to an early abortion. It doesn't rule out um, an ectopic pregnancy in the mm-hmm. tube 
these drugs do not work on an ectopic, and women have died from uh, catastrophic hemorrhage when they thought they were doing a chemical abortion, but it had not been diagnosed in advance. Um, They don't do labs. We don't have the ability to protect women who are Rh negative by giving them Rogan to prevent future pregnancy complications. And most importantly, you you don't even know that the person who is ordering the chemical abortion is the person who's going to get the abortion. So this allows sex traffickers, incestuous abusers, coercive boyfriends and fathers to get these drugs and provide unwanted abortions to women. And even further, going back to the Comstock Act, international distributors um, that will... Um, Women can order these online without any medical supervision, right. without going through telehealth, just independent of the medical system, and get these pills delivered to their mailbox. So that's where the Comstock Act comes in. This is absolutely inappropriate. Yes. If we care for women, the least we should do is make sure that we're giving them chemical abortion pills in a way that is as safe as And by the way, study after study demonstrates that chemical abortion have four times. Dr. Scott, if you're if you can hear us, we we lost you right there for about uh, 15 seconds. If you could just repeat that four times. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, four times. Yeah, sorry. I just I I get on a roll. uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, four times the complications from surgical abortions. Um, Very high quality studies show that one out of five women will have a complication. Um, So clearly, you know, of course, none of us agree that abortion is, is the answer for women. But if you think abortion is the answer for women, you should provide them a surgical abortion rather than these dangerous chemical abortions. Well, I have a stat here, the rate of chemical abortion related emergency room visits. So mm-hmm. ER visits since 20, 2002 increased over 500 percent. Am I exaggerating or is this an actual stat, Dr. Scott? Yeah, no, this is a study that I'm involved in, so I'm very familiar with this data. So, again, going back to, you know, the data in the U.S. is largely voluntarily reported complications, but records linkage studies where you can determine who an insurance has paid for an abortion, and then you can look at subsequent medical events. Um, This particular study that you're quoted was um, 17 states will actually allow their state Medicaid dollars to pay for elective abortions. Quite a eugenic uh, process there. But nonetheless, when you look at the data, you know the abortions. And so then you discover that um, along with the fact that these abortions are being increasingly promoted, that's part of the rise. But also part of the rise is just the um, removal of the limitations that makes these abortions more and more dangerous. Um, By the way, that study also showed that 60% of the time, these known complications from abortions were miscoded in emergency rooms as being due to miscarriages. So again, this just kind of shows that there's a, 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 you know, silence surrounding this issue. Many women won't tell about their abortion when they have a complication. They pretend it's a miscarriage or perhaps the doctors um, just make that assumption. Um, But it did show as well that 5%, one out of 20 women, um, went to the emergency room within a month. Wow. And many of these women, it wasn't just one ER visit. It was two, three, mm-hmm. four. There were many ER visits before they finally got the care they needed. And the care, again, is generally surgery, often in situations where they're either acutely bleeding or I've cared for a couple of women 
that have had this dead tissue in their uterus for months before oh. they finally got the surgery they needed. And of course, you know, that can lead to future pregnancy complications, scar tissue, not to mention the emotional cost of bleeding every day for months, hmm. uh, feeling that this is never going to end. So I want to backtrack a couple, well, to January, Dr. Scott. And it, I'm thinking, well, this, this is now a state issue since Roe v. Wade was overturned. But in early January, the Biden administration expanded access to chemical abortions by allowing the pill to be sold through the mail and pharmacies, CVS, Walgreens. And I'm looking at another article that, that the Democrats pressured pharmacies on this. And, um, I mean, Albertsons, Costco, Kroger, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS. This is just astounding because of the nature of the pill and what we're talking about. This is not an, an aspirin or a, a painkiller or, so, or something for an upset stomach. This is a dangerous pill that now is is allowed to be sold over the counter. Am I correct in saying that? Well, it's not over the counter, but it is provided. It can be provided through with a doctor's prescription through the pharmacy. So it's kind of an extension of the telehealth. Um, It used to be that, for example, um, if you had a abortion clinic in a busy city and you had a rural uh, um, clinic, that you would do a telehealth visit and they would get the pills from the rural clinic. But now they've expanded it so that it can be just picked up at the pharmacy. But it does still require a prescription. And um, by the way, the doctor is still required to have registered to be an abortion provider. So they have, it's called a RIMS, a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy that restricts the providers, uh, the prescribers uh, must have registered so the good news about that is that keeps doctors like me, pro-life obstetricians, from being pressured to mm. prescribe this medicine. But as we've seen, everything just keeps getting more and more, um, um, it, you know, it, it's just getting crazy. And, of course, there is pressure on the FDA to remove that restriction as well to let anybody, to let a pediatrician prescribe it. Or, um, but, um, but, yes, the, uh, the pharmacy is just another way of trying to get these pills out. And I would mention that I think the strategy all along has been that if Roe ever fell, that this was going to be a way to get abortions into states that are trying to protect unborn life. I'm in Texas. We've had laws in place for a year and a half now, and I am still caring for abortion complications because these pills are in my state. And again, unsupervised and hurting women. Wow. Mm. It must be a moneymaker because for some of these, yeah. uh, like Costco, Kroger, Walmart, Walgreens, for some of them to, to, to carry, even though you need a prescription, you can get it there. It must be a money-making uh, thing. Oh, Mary, yeah. did you have a question you wanted to ask? Well, I know Walgreens has actually issued statements uh, in the last couple of weeks about these uh, drugs, and it says that they... Uh, no major retail pharmacy has received certification from the FDA, FDA to dispense mifepristone. And it's a very confusing statement that they've made here. Um, and it says also that some major retail pharmacies have not yet indicated if they will even participate in this program. So I'm very confused about that because it sounds like, you know, prescription-wise they can because uh, people are complaining about Walgreens that oh you've stopped dispensing it and they said they never have <laughs> so what's the truth what yeah. is you know yeah the the truth is that the pharmacies also need to get a rim certification wow and okay. that is taking some time so even the ones like Walgreens and CVS that said yeah we'll do it it 
because they it's complicated, but they have to be able to verify that the prescription they're getting comes from a doctor who is also certified. So there's a lot of logistical issues, okay. but I just think it's it's really interesting to observe that some of these. You mentioned profit, and I'm sure there is a little profit there, but I think there's something deeper. Okay. You know, I think we've seen a lot of our corporations that have jumped on a kind of a progressive bandwagon yes. for reasons of virtue signaling or what it is, but but they've discovered that it's not as easy as they thought, and they're you know, mm-hmm. and so. So right now we're in a situation where they're just they're just trying to figure out how to provide these drugs, um, but you know in the meantime, as the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine lawsuit progresses, um, we discussed before the show started, and I'll, I'll mention it that what has happened in that case, again, this is five um, medical organizations and I believe four or five doctors that have sued the FDA saying. These drugs are dangerous. You never should have approved it. Mm-hmm. Judge Kasmerick in the Amarillo Court agreed on reading, you know, the the amicus briefs and all the information that was available, um, and said yes, it should never have been approved. We should take mifepristone off the market. Of course, it was immediately appealed to the Fifth Circuit, where a partial, um, uh, I think, I believe three judges met. And said, you know what? Yes, it's dangerous, but we're not going to take away the approval, but we are going to limit it to the initial conditions, seven weeks, doctors prescribing, mm. uh, reporting complications. Then it was emergently appealed to the Supreme Court. They sent it back to the Fifth Circuit, said complete the trial, but they did not put any limitations on it while the trial is mm. ongoing. So the, yeah. that was disappointing because at the very least, I think every American, pro-choice or pro-life, can agree that unsupervised medical abortions ordered over the Internet, delivered through the mail without any doctor, is is dangerous, right? So, you know, they, they could have at least <laughs> taken away that piece. But, you know, the trial is ongoing, so I, we haven't lost hope. I believe that the evidence will show, without a, a shadow of a doubt, when it finally goes back to the Supreme Court, that these are dangerous, these are not in the in the for the benefit of women, and that if women need a mm-hmm. surg- or, or want an abortion, it should be provided surgically, which is a far less complicated way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens as it moves its way through the court system. Well, and a couple of days ago, the, one of the Democrats uh, introduced a bill saying that, um, you know, we we got to make sure we're not cherry-picking judges. You know, Kaczmarek is a believer, <laughs> and he's a Trump appointee, and he's pro-life, uh-huh. and they're mad that people are taking... Uh, you know, federal cases, they're, you know, picking judges to do this, and they want to outlaw that. And every federal case will now, if this law is passed, will have to go through D.C. I mean, so they are yeah. trying every trick in their bag. It's, it's very rich since yep. they've been venue yeah. shopping for years. Yes. No kidding. That we discovered how to do it. No kidding. Well, can, oh we just, can we just uh, ask you, I think this may be the final question, uh, Dr. Ingrid Scott, thank you for your time today. We read some headlines about what's happening on college campuses. Went back to 2019 where Newsom in California signed a law forcing colleges to offer students abortion pills. This particular question on uh, Dartmouth campus um, about abortion pills being safe for the Tylenol, and there's stickers all over campus advertising, do you need to be unpregnant? And so a lot of college campuses have pills available. I even... Red did a story a couple of weeks ago on a vending machine on a college campus. It's one of the Ivy, you know, New York or somewhere that had abortion pills. Was this the RU486? And what can you tell us about the college campus problem? 
Well, those are the women that are specifically being targeted the most. You know, they live on their cell phones. These ads come to them unsolicited. Uh, Plan C is the big one of the big websites that promotes these chemical abortions. And, um, you know, but again, it goes back to the fact that they they are complicated. And these women, of course, there's no counseling given them. Mm -hmm. They're not aware that there's 2,700 crisis pregnancy centers in the Mm -hmm. country where they could go for emotional and material support, relationship counseling. I mean, women can have a child in and still be a college student. It's not impossible, particularly if these colleges would give them resources and child care and promote, yeah. you know, their well-being. Um, and, of course, we haven't even discussed the mental health com- consequences mm-hmm. right. of ending your child's life. And mm-hmm. every woman, I'll tell you, as an obstetrician, there is something hormonally that kicks in immediately with pregnancy, prolactin, oxy- oxytocin, dopamine that bonds you to your child. Mm. So even if you're in a situation where you think, you know, I can't have a child right now, this would be too inconvenient or too difficult, your body doesn't know that. Your body mourns the yeah. loss of that child, yes. and that still happens. And, of course, these women are suffering, and they're suffering yes. in the dorm bathroom, alone. Mm. It's it's just it's horrible what we're doing to women or what allowing to happen to women in yes. this country. And thank you for being one that's raising awareness and speaking the truth on this. Women go through anguish, grief after abortion, and uh, so much of it goes undiscussed, even by the media. But um, you can get more information, friends, at the LozierInstitute.org, L-O-Z-I-E-R, Institute.org. Uh, Dr. Scott, thank you for the work that you're doing, and have a great time at NRB. Thanks for your time today. God bless you. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Thank you. So when we come back, friends, uh, we're going to shift gears. We're talking about so many things, the National Day of Prayer coming up, but there's also something called the Unity Weekend. I don't think they want unity. I think they want uniformity to social justice. Also, King Charles, did you know there's a coronation? Um, public is invited to swear allegiance to him. That's coming up next. Keep it right here. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Let's uh, wrap up our thoughts about our first segment. Just such an important topic, friends, and uh, it's good to go to the experts, and it's a blessing to have two days in a row we've had doctors on the podcast. Um, Romans 1, um, verse 28, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, and it goes on, evil. But then in verse 30, it starts describing these people, or continues describing these people. One of the the things is inventors of evil. Mm. So these abortion pills, it's already evil to destroy a human life created imago Dei, created in the image of God. Already evil. That's part of the enemy's agenda from the beginning. But now they're finding new ways. So they're inventing new methods. And this abortion pill, where a majority, we didn't get to that stat, but I think um, a majority, was it 53% of uh, women are now using the pill as opposed to going to Planned Parenthood or whatever. Um, I have that. Yes, here we go. 53% 53% of all mothers seeking to kill their unborn babies are now choosing the abortion pill. 53, just over half. Mm. New ways to do evil. 
This is not is nothing new under the sun. Right. Child sacrifice has been around. It's been in a part of every every society, every culture throughout world history. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of Moloch in the Old Testament. You think of the, the the Canaanite worship, sacrificing their children, thinking they were appeasing the gods. But um, there is some disturbing things. We we don't have enough time to go into the, this certain article. I want to touch on. So we we need to move on for time's sake. But what we mentioned right before we took a break was the coronation of King Charles. Mayor, this headline over at BBC, the public invited to swear allegiance to King Charles. Now, I didn't know if that was a spoof or if they really mean swear allegiance. We're, I, I mean, the first thing I thought of was idolatry. Hello. Uh, so he's kind of like a god. They're swearing allegiance to him. Tell us about what's going on with this. Uh, yeah, we have a coronation on Saturday, and uh, this particular article says uh, people watching the coronation will be invited to join a chorus of millions to swear allegiance to the king and his heirs, organizers say. The public pledge is one of several striking changes to the ancient ceremony revealed on Saturday in a coronation full of firsts. Female clergy will play a prominent role. Of course. And the king himself will pray out loud. Hmm. There will be religious leaders from many other faiths, of course. Um, Ecumenism. He's always been very ecumenical. Yep. Um, uh, it says, despite changes designed to reflect other faiths, because he's Anglican, okay, the Anglican Church, which is Episcopalian in this country, the reason for the Anglican Church is it actually anti-papacy. You know, so we ha- you have the Roman Catholic Church and you have the Anglican, and obviously one is... And, yeah, and yet they have surrendered, you know, inerrancy and the truth of Scripture right. on so right. many doctrines right. they have compromised. Yeah. So yeah. even though they don't follow the Pope, go ahead, man. It says the public will be given an active role in the ceremony for the first time with people around the world set to be asked to cry out and swear allegiance to the king. Yikes! I know. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, and there's one other headline, too, as soon as we're done here. The order of service will read, also, all who so desire in the Abbey and elsewhere say together, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. Oh, my goodness. Um, long know, live King Charles. God save the king. Yeah. Uh, of course. You know what? I think when you read that, if um, I mean, my hairs are standing up. Um, I, I thought of this song to Jesus. Majesty, worship your majesty. Unto mm. Jesus be all glory, power, and praise, glory, honor, and praise. And here they're swearing allegiance to a man calling him your majesty. It's And it's really freaky that it's not just for the people present. Right. Because people can be watching online. It's not for, just apparently. for the Brits. Yeah. This this is amazing. This is almost revelation-like. Where it is. The, the world can be part of a single event. Well, here's, here's another. Here's another um, uh, the Pope claims to have a piece of the cross, the cross, and it's being presented to King Charles, and they're making a new cross, incorporating, what? yeah, and it's going to be carried down the, I mean, you know, people look at, at the um, the royals as, as sort of a circus, you know, and, and they're figureheads, and people kind of scoff yeah. in this Western world and say, oh, really? But, you know, Charles, he, he spoke to the WEF in 2020, um, he's he's very much pro great read set. Yeah, huge globalist, globalist yeah. huge environmentalist. Is his uh, father Prince Charles since 1961? He founded the World Wildlife Fund, which is of course a major environmental group, and now Charles is the head of it. Very much environmental, and you can go online and see quotes by him about what we need to do: practically sell our souls to save the environment. So this guy's a player. There's no question about yeah. that. But this, 
you know, we, Americans across the pond who've separated ourselves from that whole thing, we might chuckle at this, yeah. but they take it very seriously, and they want everyone across the world to swear allegiance to this king on Saturday. Yep, yeah, and they're, let, let's just go on record and say we will not bow to any earthly king. We, believers in the truth of the gospel and of Jesus Christ, we, we bow to our king, and that would be King Jesus. We, we are swearing, we have sworn our allegiance to our king. The, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the name above every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. <laughs> king Charles will bow. Mm-hmm. The Pope will bow. Um, everyone, these, all these global elites will bow their knee. To either willingly or being forced unwillingly, they will, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess allegiance to Jesus Christ, that Jesus is Lord, and they will confess that to the glory of God the Father, and then there's, there's gonna be a separation of destinations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But every knee will bow. Mm-hmm. And I want to go on the record as saying that I would never play pin the tail on the Antichrist. But I also know that, um, you know, the revived Roman Empire, which I think includes, you know, it includes this uh, little realm of the Brits, and, and they were once the biggest empire in the world. And that's yeah. a whole nother, that's yeah. a whole nother topic. Um, and the sun never set on the British Empire, remember? And that means in every time zone around the world, the sun never set on the British Empire. So, uh, I'm sure they would love to bring that back. But the form of world government at the ten, ten toes of the revived Roman Empire, it's mm. fascinating to see and into place and where this fits. We don't know. There's a cup of tea, and I read it, and I read it in 2020, 20, year 2000. And it's in, per se, again, I don't play pin the tail on the Antichrist. But um, the uh, research family of the royal family will absolutely blow your mind. Okay. Um, so Merritt says, after the coronation, the king... In capital, give a, give a greeting seen by Jewish, Hindu, Sikh, Muslim, and Buddhist leaders. Mm-hmm. And it also says um, uh, the Church of England will seek to create an environment where, quote, people of all faiths and beliefs may live freely. Unless you're a Bible-believing Christian that stands on the inerrancy mm-hmm. of script and the truth of God. Um, didn't, it's interesting. It didn't mention... Uh, Christians, but okay, let's see. The blessing will be shared by leaders of different denominations for the first time, including Catholic Cardinal Vincent Nichols. Let's move on now, Mayor. They, you got it from their own words. People of all faiths and beliefs may live freely. There's an event that we were made uh, aware of called National Unity Weekend, and this is just a warning, friends. Warning before we get into this. Warning. Get your discernometer sharpened and working here. Because we need to discern the times and what's happening here. Whenever you hear the word unity, some truly want unity. Uh, others want uniformity. They want you to conform to right. their version of what they think the world should be, or the church in this case. Uh, Let's Talk invites churches to participate in a prayer kickoff ahead of National Unity Weekend, which National Day of Prayer is Thursday. Mm-hmm. That's for the Christian church and for the, you know, the nation pretty much, and then for the world, everything else. But this says, to unite the hearts of Christians through prayer, worship, and intercession, preceding the first ever National Unity Weekend, they're inviting churches across America to be a part of this prayer kickoff event on May 6th, so Saturday. Um, 
they're scheduling it to occur on the heels of the 71st annual National Day of Prayer. Intentionally, Intentionally. scheduling. And we're going to get to what that means. Yeah, here's why we're concerned, uh, Mayor. First of all, uh, Bishop Derek Greyer founded this uh, Let's Talk initiative. And he said, uh, at a time when our country is as divided by race as ever, I think that's a lie, mm-hmm. but let's continue. Their assumption is the country is as divided by race as ever. In other words, we're no different than we were in the 1950s and 1960s. It's time for the church to lead the charge in healing the wounds of division. Now, that's a good thing, to, for the church to take charge and heal wounds, to, to you know repent, for, pursue forgiveness and reconciliation with brothers and sisters, and just to lead. The church needs to lead on every moral issue, but... The premise is we're a systemically racist mm-hmm. country and always have been. But now we're just as divided as ever, they say. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to uh, those who participate in this event are encouraged to concentrate on their focal points. Racial unity within the church. Now, Mary and I were talking about this this morning before the podcast. And there we understand that there are, are, are different types of churches, different types of worship methods. There are different music used for worship. There's different kind of preaching. But there are a lot of unbiblical social justice proclaiming churches, <clears throat> progressive churches. I think of the Raphael uh, Warnock down in Georgia, who was a senator now. But he was leading his church. It's an extremely radical leftist church, believing in black liberation theology, social justice. They, he's pro-abortion, pro-gay marriage, you know, all the things that non-Christians believe in. So racial unity within the church. Well, how do you, as a Bible-believing Christian, Mary, I'll let you answer this. How, do, how, do, how does someone who believes in the truth of Scripture wants to stand on God's Word, how do you establish unity? How do you unite with others within the church if you have that framework. Right. Um, well, there is there is unity through the Holy Spirit in the church, the true church. Okay. You know, Distinction. True, right. The true church. The true church. And so now we have a woke church. We have a politicized church. They're, in, they're inserting themselves. I have a real problem with inserting themselves politically into the National Day of Prayer. The National Day of Prayer is exactly what it is. And and there is there is unity in in the whole premise of the National Day of Prayer. Mm-hmm. But no, now we're going we're gonna, to you know, find a problem with that. And so they have these focal points here. Um, these are the focal points people are supposed to concentrate on. The very first one, as David was reading, is racial unity within the church. So that is setting the tone for the whole event. Mm-hmm. And then the things that follow it are fascinating to me because I think those things are already in the church, including walking in humility and asking God to soften hearts um, repentance and departure from iniquity. Okay. It, how, how is that not already Agreed. in the church? Agreed. Yeah. Um, displaying an unconditional love for one another. Well, mm, it's again, hard to do, but yes, it's a good, it's hard, yes, good principle. It, it's something that the Scripture commands us to do. Yep. Um, effectively serving those in need. Well, service okay, good. I think yeah. churches are doing. It. They're presuming that church is not doing this, and so that already. Um, that is a presumption that is skewing this whole event. Adopting a sense of urgency in fulfilling God's will on earth. Okay, we, uh, we redeem the time. Redeem the time, Adopt a right. sense of urgency. And they make these sounds so dramatic, right? Yeah. You know, so that uh, developing a boldness to stand for God amid division. What does that look like? I would love to know an explanation on that. Developing a boldness to stand for God amid division. All right. Yeah. Now, remember the premise. The premise is... Uh, at a time in our country that we are more divided by race as 
ever, which we disagree with on this podcast, but this is the, one of their premises. And then finally, Mary, one more. Yes, softening of hearts and salvations to occur during National Unity Weekend. Okay, friends, I'm just going to say it. We're, we are warning you about this. Mm-hmm. It is almost a diversion or perversion of the National Day of Prayer mm-hmm. and what many in America are trying to do, mm-hmm. praying for our country. God knows we need prayer. We need to repent and come mm-hmm. back to him. America has forgotten God. Um, but so be warned about National Unity Weekend and th- this Let's Talk initiative. Now, would you want to go to the statement of change, Mayor? Well, I just want to say real quickly that when you go to the Let's Talk, right before we go to that, David, okay. when you go to the Let's Talk page, this is the homepage okay. of this particular event, right under that where it says Let's Talk, they have a Bible verse, and this is their mission statement. Now, you, we, a lot of you listening out there, you know your Bibles, you know where this is going, but this is their their Bible verse, and this is my favorite Bible verse since I got saved, and it's Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. Somebody explain to me what in the world that has to do with this National Unity Weekend. I don't get the connection. Maybe it was well, cherry-picked verse for yeah. whatever. It's a, it's a it wonderful good. verse. It sounds good, yeah. but it has nothing to do with. Now, David, you have something here on yes. this. Yes. Well, let's, let's just Statement clarify what, what their prayer kickoff event on May 6th, Saturday is a kickoff event to what they're planning in June, and that would be mm-hmm. National Unity Weekend, which is June 10 and 11. We're warning you about this, friends. Just keep an eye up, out for it, but it's the Let's Talk initiative. Um, they're kicking it off Saturday with a prayer event, and then the National Unity Weekend is, what is that, first weekend in June or yes. second, week, second weekend second in June. Week in June so yeah. their statement of change on Unity Weekend website the one true God and Father and maker of all things, visible and invisible, sent his only begotten Son, who was born of Virgin Mary, crucified under Pontius Pilate, buried, resurrected, ascended to the right hand of the Father, promised to return personally and visibly to the earth in great power and glory. We don't disagree with that. Under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit, which proceeds from the Father and Son, the Bible was inspired. It is entirely trustworthy and the only supreme authority. See, what I think they're doing here, Mayor, is drawing in evangelicals and Bible-believing Christians to say, hey, I, I agree with this, their statement of change. Right. But wait, listen, friends, wait, yeah, to, wait, wait. To, <laughs> to see where this is going. It's talking about, uh, in, in it we discover the eternal truths on which the universal church was established with the apostles and foundation and Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Okay, we agree with that. Now, the church is compromised of fallen men and women who through faith have been born from above into a new and diverse spiritual family whereby every family member is a bearer of the Holy Spirit and recipient of divine grace that results in love for God and all others. Uh, the love is demonstrated by commitment to truth revealed in Scripture and the person of Jesus Christ and our collective de- desire to share his redemptive message with the world through word and deed. So right now they are preaching to the choir. They're wanting be- professing Christians and, and believers to come and read this and go, okay, well, the statement of change, that's mm-hmm. good, but aren't we already doing that? I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then they're playing on the verse used during the National Day of Prayer, Second Chronicles 7.14, which we agree in principle, but understand in context it was spoken to Israel. God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And now, again, friends, a good verse, it's in principle, we can repent as a people to God and be humble ourselves, seek him and repent of our wickedness. And he promises to hear us when we pray. 
And whether he forgives our sin, yes, and heals our land, yes, in America, who knows, but that was to Israel. Now, right under this statement of change, now we're talking about this National Unity Weekend again, four things, racism, social justice, cultural imperialism, and the conclusion. Mary, do you want to start? Yeah, um, I, ge- I guess I want to skip to the end because I, I, I know where this is going. But um, <laughs> And then we'll come back and talk y- about it. Yeah. But you, you want to go right to the conclusion, straight to the heart. Well, you know, the, the whole woke thing, is, is the whole, hmm, there's a lot of shaming going on. You know, uh, beating the sheep, beating this. The berating part, the church. Berating the church, the part of Christianity that, that we just all can't seem to get along because there does seem to be a lot of division when it comes to the progressive Christianity and the wokeism, and they're very outspoken. And they're stoking the division. They are the stoking way. the division. It says they're the goal of the statement of change to acknowledge the historical pain suffered by ethnic minorities in the United States at the hands of practicing Christians. Okay, so there we go. The goal of this is to acknowledge the pain suffered by minorities, ethnic minorities in the U.S. Just not that, Now, they're not stopping it there. They're saying at the hands of practicing Christians. So Christians are the problem. It's that they have not lived out their Christianity. I'm not, now, I'm not saying there aren't any hypocrites or aren't there right. bad actors in the right. church. There is in every church, in every denomination, in every religion. But this is targeting... Christians in America, and particularly white evangelicals. Mm-hmm. That's who this target seems to be aimed at. Um, and, and, and further the process toward mutual understanding, forgiveness, and unity. Okay, we would love mutual understanding, forgiveness, and unity. We're not d- disagreeing with in, in the, this terminology in this. But it's talking about um, getting the community to lead the way in defeating Racial bigotry. Okay, how does the church do that? Lead the way to defeat racial bigotry. What does that look like? There's no explanation on that. But let's go back to racism, Mayor. Mm-hmm. There's three things that they mentioned right above. Racism, social justice, and cultural imperialism. So they affirm that the U.S. Now, this is the, this National Unity Weekend and this Let's Talk initiative and these social justice activists, um, they're... they're they have received tremendous favor. Uh, the, the church in America has received tremendous favor and blessings from God, but but the church has embraced embraced now racial discrimination since its founding. So in America, mm-hmm. the church, the, so the Christian church in America, we have embraced. In other words, we have not only, I mean, allowed it to happen. We are embracing it. Mm-hmm. This is. This is really disturbing to me, Mayor, the way this is worded. And um, then it goes on, uh, talks about the uh, 19th, the state constitution, um, 1788, normalizing slavery. Mm-hmm. Most of the founding fathers held Christian denominational affiliations. It was almost 100 years later that the 13th Amendment finally outlawed race-based slavery in 1865. It would be nearly another 100 years before all Jim Crow laws were struck down by the Civil Rights Act in 1964. And though the laws have changed, pernicious and ungodly attitudes have stubbornly continued. So we know there's some of these pockets of of racism in the South. There's Mm -hmm. some people that are racists. But they're painting not only America, but the Christian church as a whole. They're putting it all into this blanket of pernicious and ungodly av- attitudes toward racism, mm-hmm. toward 
Minorities, ethnic minorities, as as they say. Oh, critical race theory. You know, it's it's in the church. Of course, it is, yeah. and this it's is not a just part in of the that. universities, right? Yeah. So we define racism as unfairness or antagonism against any person due to their membership in any particular racial or ethnic group. And then um, let's just skip to social justice. It says we affirm that God is both creator and judge of all the people. Is would you agree with that, Mayor? Yes. He's creator and judge. Yes. As followers of Jesus Christ, we thus share his concern for justice and reconciliation throughout human society. What the question is how. Right. Right. We're, not, we're not questioning right. what. We're questioning how they want to do this, how they're suggesting this right. be implemented mm-hmm. and where the problem lies. Yeah. We're not saying that. All right. So, uh, and for the liberation of men and women from every form of oppression. Okay, now we got the oppressor and the oppressed coming in here. A little bit of Marxism sprinkled in. Because men and women are made in the image of God, agreed, <laughs> every person, regardless of race, religion, color, culture, class, sex, or age, has an intrinsic dignity and should be respected, respected and served, not exploited. We agree with that. Mm-hmm. The question is how they want to do this. So the, this will open some eyes, perhaps cultural imperialism is another focus in this four-pronged bullet point here. This, it says, we affirm and celebrate racial and cultural distinctions, but disavow any presumed superiority of any culture over another. I think they would disagree that America is an exceptional nation um, because they they assume that from its founding we are a systemically race, racist country and people and church, which we disagree. I disagree with that, putting the whole country, the founding fathers and all the churches as this problem that has to be dealt with. It says all cultural activities are to be evaluated in the light of ethical imperatives declared in Scripture. We continue to affirm the age-old credo in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, agape. Go ahead, man. All cultural activities are to be evaluated in the light of ethical imperatives declared in Scripture. So I'm trying to figure out the, the ethic, well, ethics, um, ethics in Scripture, imperatives. I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds, you know, I'm not sure I would disagree with that because I don't know what they mean. Yeah, what's a cultural activity? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a little vague. A cultural, so the, the point is they're, they're focusing on racism, for social justice, cultural mm-hmm. imperialism. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, we read you their conclusion already, but they remember the premise with which they are starting their whole campaign. Right. right. And, and, and presuming to, to know what goes on in every church. See, That's offensive to me. It really That's is. That's saying all Christians and all churches have this problem with racism. I disagree. And again, at the very beginning of their statement, it says, at a time when our country is as divided by race as ever. Mayor, I don't think we're as divided by race as ever. Uh, we're thinking about the 1960s and the clashes we've, we saw with, the, with, with law enforcement, the government, and because of laws on the books and the treatment of, of especially blacks in the South. I mean, we know there were issues, but we're not as racist as ever. So we are warning you about this. Uh, again, something seemingly good. They're pushing unity, but I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure it's unity of Christians that they are after. Oh, wish we had more time. Maybe we'll go to a three-hour podcast one day. Uh, okay, maybe not. Mayor, tomorrow they will hear, our listeners will hear Trevor Loudon, a replay uh, exposing senators in America and their uh, affiliations in, with China. <laughs>
Uh, I'm talking about pledging allegiance. And Chuck Gerard on Thursday. Yes. Rock and roll preacher. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Jesus Revolution, the music industry, CCM, and John Leffler on Friday. Mm-hmm. Friends, thanks for listening. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.